Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. This is the last week that we're going to be spending in Psalm 122 in the Pray For It series. I mentioned that we were going to be stopping in the Pray For It series, but uh, we got two more messages, so come on and stick with me. Amen. Hallelujah. Everyone say, pray for it. It is crucial that we understand and experience as children of the Most High God the power that is released when we pray for it. Instead of trying to take care of it ourselves, our mind, our strategy, our tactics first. How many agree that we should first, everyone, pray for it? When we pray for it, amazing things happen, not always immediately, but you know, sometimes when God doesn't answer your prayers immediately, as you seek him, as you pursue him, he's actually changing you. The powerful thing about a prayer life is that not only is God moving on your behalf, but he's also transforming your character. Nothing changes us more than FaceTime with Jesus. And so I hope that you're praying in your homes. I hope that you're praying with your families. I hope you are developing your, your ability to pray. We need to pray for it. Amen? Amen. And um, in this series, we, we've covered lots of different topics. As I said, we got two more. But today, we're ending a focus on how David prayed. David was one of the great men of God in the Bible. And I could have taken a lot of different Psalms, but I just picked this one, Psalm 122. Because in this Psalm, David was the king of Israel. And part of what he was doing is he was praying for his stewardships. His God-given stewardships, his responsibilities. He was praying for the kingdom that God had given him charge over. But he was also praying over his family and over his relatives and his friends and the people that he loved and his city. Just the same way we should. When we wake up in the morning, we should pray for our families. We should pray for our children. Amen. We should pray for the city. We should pray for God to move in Chicago. Somebody please say amen to that. And so as we're looking at this, we're learning two very important things, and I want to stop and emphasize that. First of all, we're learning how to pray through a text. When you read the Bible every day, and you should read the Bible every day, and don't say, I forgot. You didn't forget to drink water. You didn't forget to eat, or some of you do, and you should not forget to eat. you got to eat. But I tell my kids that all the time. But nonetheless, we need to read the Bible every day. Because it is spiritual food. Amen. And as you read the Bible, when you read the Bible, there is a moment in time as you're reading the Bible that a word will jump out, a line will stand out, something will stand out to you. And that's the moment in time to pray for it. Pray through the Bible. Faith comes by hearing and the hearing of the word of God. No one's prayer life will be dry if you're reading the Bible. And so, and so as you read the word of God, you're looking for a moment to take that truth and bring it back to God and pray it into your heart and pray it into, into your world, so to speak. 
That's the, that's the Christian life. And if you do that, I'm telling you right now, you will have such a joyful, energetic time of prayer with God. So pray the Bible, amen? Secondly, it's teaching us how to pray over our lives and the lives of our loved ones. What we see in this passage, David prayed for the peace of Jerusalem, for the peace of his family. How many know we need to pray for peace in our homes? Our homes don't, just because you grew up in a home that was never ending stress and strife. If you're a child of God, you don't need that. What you need is the peace of God. And how many know God wants to blanket our homes with his peace? Come on, put your hands together and say, yes, Lord. Say, so we're not the Hatfields and the McCoys in our house. We're godly people. Pray with your spouse. If you pray with your spouse, you will argue less. It's amazing. You ever, you ever notice when you go to pray, it's like even if you want to have a bad attitude, like after like 30 seconds and you're like, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. Just pray. Pray with your spouse. Watch peace flow. You know? Don't talk about your finance. Pray first. You know? Powerful things. So, so we're learning. He prayed for peace. He prayed for prosperity. And today we're going to zero in on the last thing that he prayed for in Psalm 122. Let's throw that up. I'll go home and read it as usual. That's your homework. Read the whole Psalm. But we're going to jump in right at verse 6. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you prosper. May there be, watch this, peace inside your walls. Inside your walls. Okay, may there be peace inside your walls and everyone say this word, safety and safety in your palaces. We can pray for protection, okay? And then it says, for the sake of my relatives and friends, I say to Jerusalem, peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I pray for your prosperity. So he prayed for peace. He prayed for prosperity. And today we're focusing on he prayed for protection. The title of the message is Pray for Protection. And we should be praying for God's protection. I hope that you're praying for God's protection over you and your loved ones. Now, I want to give the New Testament equivalent of this passage because Jesus himself taught us to pray for protection, but he kind of, he does it in a specific way and it leads to a specific understanding that we all need. So look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, when it came to praying for protection, he said, this is the way we should pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay, I hope you're praying on a consistent basis. God, lead us not, lead me not into temptation. Deliver us and our children from evil and from the evil one. So here's what it means when we pray for protection. We are praying, God, deliver us, very important, from the prince and the principles of darkness. You got to catch this. If you don't catch this, you won't catch the message. Okay? 
When we pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil, here's what we're saying. God, protect us from the prince of darkness and the principles of darkness. You see, a lot of times, Christians, we will reject the prince of darkness, but we're fuzzy on his principles. And what you have to understand is that if you're being influenced by principles of darkness, it's the same thing. You see? And so we have to be awake. We have to be spiritually aware of what's going on when we think about protection. Last week, we talked about we have to align with God for, to really experience the prosperity of God. This week, I'm going to say something else to you in a moment. I'm going to put it on pause. But as we think about living life on this earth, our life is adversarial. If you're a child of God, and even if you're not a child of God, the Bible says the thief comes to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came for another reason. Jesus came that we might have life and life to the full. You understand? And so Jesus is a person, but he also brings his principles, the word of God. The word of God are words of life. Okay, they're words that bring healing and joy and peace and freedom. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you what? Free. But on the flip side, the enemy of our soul, he is the person, he is a prince, but he's the prince of the power of the air, but he's also got all of these principles. And this is what we're contending here while we're during our days on earth. So here's what I need to do. What I need to do is kind of pause and address, when you, whenever you talk about protection, we have to pause for anyone who is battling with why there's evil on the planet. You see, because we can struggle with that, and a lot of even skeptical people, their number one excuse for not believing in God is the presence of evil. Okay? So I want to say a couple of things. This message is not about that, but just some food for thought, okay, just some, some things to help frame what we're talking about today, okay? So look, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. There are secret things. We don't get to see and know everything. It says the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law. And what that means, uh, brothers and sisters, is that on this side, until we see Jesus face to face, on this side of glory, there will be certain things that we just don't fully understand. Okay? We just don't fully understand why certain things happen, but, but we know that just because we don't understand, that doesn't mean that God is not good. Okay, now let me, let me give you a couple of sort of like philosophical, theological principles to think about this. Norman Geisler, who's a philosopher, apologist, said this. This is important for us to know. God has no potentiality, only pure actuality. Okay? I know this is a mouthful, it's a mindful. He says, what has no potentiality has no limits at all. 
since potential is what limits a being. Thus, it follows that God has no limits of any kind. He is unlimited in his power. So, for example, you can marvel, let's say, back in the day, in Michael Jordan's day, you see Michael Jordan leap. He jumps from the top of the key, and he slams the ball, but he can't jump from half court because it is beyond his potential to jump that far. He's limited. Was he great at what he did? Yes, but he was still a limited being. Now, there might be a, an animal that can run so fast. Perhaps a cheetah could jump and maybe from the top of the key from half court, should I say, he could leap that far. I don't know, but even, even that animal is limited because all beings on the planet are limited. But how far can God jump? If God wants to jump 100 feet, he can jump 100 feet. If God wants to jump 1,000 feet, he can jump 1,000 feet. If God wants to jump a billion feet, if he wants to jump across all of the galaxies, he can jump as far as he wants because he is unlimited. How many know our God is all-powerful, unlimited at all times? Hallelujah. God is able to meet every need in this room at the same time and not even break a sweat. He's unlimited. So when God, who's unlimited and infinite, allows things to happen on the earth, it's not because God is somehow weak. So let me give you one more. And if you're really interested in this subject, I want to recommend this book called The Reason for God. Tim Keller says, this is, this is I think, a, a great way to think about this. He says, if you have a God, and by the way, it's little g because he's talking principally. He's not talking about Jesus right now. So he says, if you have a God great and transcendent enough to be mad at because he hasn't stopped evil and suffering in the world, then you have at the same moment a God great and transcendent enough to have good reasons for allowing it to continue that you can't know. Indeed, you can't have it both ways. In other words, you and I don't understand everything. Okay? You're smart. I know you're really smart. Okay? But how many agree that God is smarter? And so, while we walk on this earth... Until we get into glory in paradise, which I want to speak to in a moment, there will be things that we don't understand. But that doesn't mean that God is not good. Okay, here's what God promises to us. You see, the Bible says that men, we're like grass. You're here and then you're gone. You see, this life is just, it's like a mere breath. Just goes like a blade of grass here one moment and gone. But here's what God promises to every child of God. In the book of Revelation, it says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be, everyone read these two words, ready? No more. Watch this. No more death or mourning or crying or pain. Why? For the old order of things has passed away. One day we're going to cross into glory, brothers and sisters. There will be no more hurt, pain, no more cancer, no more fighting, no more trauma. Hallelujah. It will be joy unspeakable and full of glory. Anybody looking forward to the day that Jesus comes back? Come back, Jesus. 
Come back and come back soon, Lord. Well, I gotta do this. No, you don't. You don't even get it. We don't even, we don't even understand what the glory of God is like. It's so wonderful. It's so incredible. It's so phenomenal. It'll be joy unspeakable and full of glory. So look, there's a reason why we need protection. We need protection because we live here. Because we're on this earth and we live in an adversarial context. How many agree if you don't, if you leave your keys on your hood, right? Okay, guess what? When you come back in nine minutes, no car, no keys. How many think that's true about Chicago? Okay, it's good to have a security system because that's the world that we live in. But here's what I want to say before we pray. Okay, if, if Jesus says, pray, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil, it's because he wants to protect us. He wants to. But here's the thing, we align with prosperity, but we have to cooperate. Everyone say cooperate. cooperate. We have to cooperate with God's protection. Now I'm gonna take the next few moments to unpack that. So let me just pray a moment. Father, God, I pray that, um, that you would just wash over all of us people watching online right now, and that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say. God, we thank you that you love us and that you promised never to leave us nor forsake us. We thank you that you said you would be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And God, it is your desire to protect us. Thou, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. And I pray for your protection over every person, heart, mind, families, careers. Oh God, everything that concerns your people, we pray for protection. But Lord, as we're praying for this, I ask that you would enable us to cooperate. We want to cooperate with the works of the Spirit of the living God. Bless this word now in our time. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. So what are we praying for when we, when we pray for protection? Well, Jesus told us, ta taught us the first thing that he's, that he's teaching us to pray is we're actually praying, Lord, lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. Now, this is something that we say, but I don't know if we think uh, um, deeply enough about this particular issue. Practically speaking, this is saying, Lord, we pray for the protection of our hearts and we pray for the protection from our hearts. It's not just of our hearts, but from our hearts because when we are tempted, brothers and sisters, a temptation is a, de a demonic suggestion that appeals to something inside of you. You see, and it's different for everyone. In other words, someone could try to tempt me with, let's say, A, but A won't bug me one bit. I'm not even interested in that. But then the dark side of Al Toledo, this could tempt me. 
you see? And so when we pray, we pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation. We are saying, God, make me aware of my own weaknesses. Make me aware of the things that can pull me away from honoring you, Lord. And God, keep me away from it. I don't want to flirt with that line. I want to stay away from that line. Somebody say amen. We have to cooperate with the working of the Holy Spirit. We have to, it's a foolish thing to belittle your own weaknesses. Because the truth of the matter is some things will drag us down. You see, so what's the point? What's the point of saying, God, deliver us from evil if we keep flirting with the line? How many know we need to stay away from that line? In the name of Jesus, yes, say yes, Lord, keep me away from that line. You know what it is? You know what it is? And whatever that is, we need to stay away. Look, the, the, the biggest protection is the protection of our hearts because if our heart stays safe, right? If it stays untainted by the prince or the principles of darkness, then we will be ready to, number one, enter into our rest when God calls us. Number two, we're going to be ready to receive his peace and his prosperity. Yes, we want peace and prosperity, but if you spend all of your energy flirting with temptation, you're not going to have the peace of God. You understand? We have to cooperate. So how are you going to walk in the will of God if you're always on the line? How many know the will of God is not where all of the temptation is? Look, some friends are not God's will for your life. Some relationships are not God's will for your life. It's just not God's will. It's just not God's way. The principles that certain people are operating under are not in line with the principles of Jesus. And we need to stay away. Somebody say amen. I see you would struggle. But this is important. This is important because a lot of times we're saying, Lord, protect us, but we're not discerning the principles. Look, God is the one who says that marriage is sacred between a man and a woman. God said that. Okay, Al Toledo didn't say that. You want to quote someone? Quote Jesus. Okay, God is the one who said that even sexuality is sacred. We don't get to just do whatever we want. How many already know that whenever we do whatever we want, when your kids do whatever they want, does it go well? You understand? God is the one who determines these things. And the truth of the matter is, is that there are principles that if they don't line up with the word of God, we need to stay away from those practices. This is a very, very important thing because a lot of times we don't recognize what we are embracing or what we're flirting with. Look, John Owen put it this way. He said, we need to be killing sin or sin will be killing us. How do you do it? You do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at what Romans 8.13 says. Romans 8.13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Okay? But if by the Spirit. Everyone say by the Spirit. 
Look, but if by the Spirit, not your strength, the strength of the Spirit of the living God that lives inside of you. He doesn't leave us alone. You can walk in victory. We can walk a godly, live a godly life. But if you by the Spirit put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And so part of what we need to understand, brothers and sisters, is that, look, there are things that just drag us down and they're right inside of us. And I'm going to say this. We'll, 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 I won't keep you too long, but look, this is really, really important. I've watched this. I don't think, I've been a Christian for 40 years, almost 40 years. And I've watched this all my life in the ministry, but I've never been more brokenhearted than in the last three years. And you know why? It's because I keep watching the devil talk people out of God's will. And if you're not careful, and if you don't take the time to really look in the mirror of the word of God and face the truth, I'm telling you right now, he will deceive you. He'll deceive you. Okay, and you'll have all of the excuses and all of the reasons, and it's because the enemy's sitting right on your shoulder whispering, and you're taking in the wrong principles. Let me give you a couple quick, quick examples. So I got married at 26 years old. My wife and I didn't get premarital counseling, and everybody said, everybody say, bad move. Okay, if you're gonna get married, get premarital counseling. All right? We won't, at, at this church, we won't do a, a wedding. If someone will not invest in learning on how to be married in a godly way, we will not marry them because this is a big deal. This is one of the biggest decisions of your life. So we didn't get premarital counseling. We had all of these things. And um, this, I, I remember this like so clearly. So um, how many know what a VCR is? Anybody? <laughs> We're going way back. We're going old school, right? So, so I remember, um, I'm just so like not oriented towards technology. And so... Whenever we had to install a VCR, any kind of electrical kind of tech, one of those things, um, I could never do it. And my wife would laugh. And she would tease me because I couldn't really even plug in a, a VCR. So it was funny because we were newly married. And, and uh, you know, when you first get married, you, you're, you're so, I was very, very, maybe you not, but I was very insecure when I first got married. And uh, that old kind of Cuban background, you know, oh, yo soy el hombre de la casa. I'm the man of this, that, all that craziness. You know, I know none of you battle with that, but I did. And so I used to like, almost like get offended, but I was too proud to let her know that I was offended that she was laughing at me about the VCO. That's the way a lot of people are. You walk around with secret offenses, but really proud. Pride goes before the fall. So then if Chrissy and I had a little disagreement about something else, I was having, there were two arguments going on, except she didn't know it was, she thought it was one. I was bringing out the VCR stuff, you see? And then I remember one day when the Lord whispered, and this is the moment, look, you got to read your Bible. Because if you read your Bible, I'm telling you, you'll be with the word of God or you will even be walking. I remember when the Lord whispered and said, would you please grow up? 
She's just kidding. She cooks for you. She does this. She does that. What is wrong with you? Stop it. You know, there's a moment in time. If you're, if that doesn't happen to you in your walk with God, then listen, you're listening to the wrong voices. This is, this is the beauty of having the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's the beauty of having the Word of God. You read the Word of God and God convicts us of sin. He convicts us of wrong attitudes. Yes, somebody clap and say, hallelujah for the Holy Spirit. There are things, look, I took a church, we took a church, I was 28 years old, I was the lead pastor of the church. Can I tell you, I left, we were there for three years, and uh, I, there were certain things I did in the first year. Again, I didn't have a lot of coaching, it was kind of a crazy thing, but it doesn't matter. By, the, by my third year, there are certain things I did in the first year that I didn't do in the third year, because guess what? I learned. I realized I was wrong, there was a wiser way to do things. There's always a wiser way. There, there are better ways. And if we, if we look in the mirror of the Word of God, if we listen to the voices around us, then we can be delivered from ourselves. But you got to be humble enough. You got to be humble, right? God resists the proud. When we open the Bible, we got to be like, Lord, I, I, Lord, I need you to deliver me. I get tempted. There are things that trip me up. Am I the only one who can get tripped up by stuff? You see? So look, who's guiding you? Are the, are, are the principles of darkness or the principles of light guiding you? It's not just the prince. It's the principles. And a lot of times, we are being misled by the enemy of our soul because we're not cooperating with the conviction of the Spirit. And I wanna encourage you, I say this because, let me tell you, we love you, okay? We love you. You gotta understand what it is to have this charge. I'm not being melodramatic, but we love you. If you'd have been here this past Tuesday, we, we had a staff fast. We prayed from, from uh, 12 to 3. If you'd have been here hearing these people open up their hearts, praying for you and your children and, 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 and your loved ones and your careers and your destinies and all of those things, you would know we love you. But you have to yield to the Word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't, you can listen to a thousand sermons. But it's only when we surrender to the truth that the truth sets us free. Somebody say amen. amen. So stop running from reality. Stop telling yourself a story that is simply not true. Find out what the will of the Lord is. That's when it's different. That's when it's really powerful. Here's the last thing. So look, when we pray, lead us not into temptation, we're saying, God, save me, Lord, from things that pull at me, but Lord, save me from myself. 
save me from myself. Secondly, we pray, Lord, deliver us from evil. Everybody say, deliver us from evil. When we say, Lord, deliver us from evil, we're saying, Lord, protect us from the prince and his principles even when we're not aware of it. Deliver us from the plans of the enemy. You know, our kids are susceptible. I was, I was saying this today. I pray for you. We pray for you a lot. But I, I feel like I pray for your kids more. I, I stand on the rock on the word of God that says the children of the righteous will be mighty in the land. But here's how I pray. Now that I'm a grandfather, I'm praying like this all over again. I'm praying God block every demonic suggestion. When our kids are in school and they're saying those demonic things, would you close their ears? Would you send an angel to go just like this and to like let them not pay attention at that moment when that demonic nonsense is going out? Block it in the name of Jesus. Block their eyes in the name of Jesus. Block it, Lord, from the plans of the enemy. But here's the thing. We have to cooperate. Everybody say cooperate. We pray, but we have to cooperate. I never forget the day I had a wife say to me, look, you know, my husband's a great guy, but he's watching rated R movies and my children are walking in the room watching all of that filth. How many know that is not cooperating? So you put filth in front of the children and then when they, when they pursue filth, guess what? You know, we didn't stay behind the wall of protection. Thou, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. We have to cooperate with protection. We have to understand how powerful the prince and the principles are. More powerful than Jesus? Absolutely not. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. But we have to pay attention. We have to recognize that there's a reason why we close our doors. So look, I, I just, simple example and we'll close. So it turns out that any time, I don't know how long they started this, but at a certain point in time in our, in our nation, anytime someone becomes a president, they immediately get a security detail. And even after they're out of the presidency. Um, they continue to have a security detail for the rest of their lives. You see? And um, it doesn't matter who it is, Republican, a Democrat, doesn't. If you become the president, you get a security detail. And there's a reason. The reason is that when someone becomes a president, they become a target. Okay, so for example, just real practically speaking, you could get in your car right from here, drive about 20 minutes depending on traffic, and it turns out that uh, Barack Obama, before he became president, it wasn't like this. He had a house uh, down in 
Kenwood, Hyde Park sometime, someplace over Hyde Park, someplace over there. And it turns out as soon as he became president, they built this whole compound. Look, I have a picture of it. It's not super clear, but like when you get to the street there, there are signs from the Secret Service. You just can't walk on the block right? And uh, um, it says attention and you can't go in there. And then this is the top view. And so this is his house. And listen, part of the reason why it's funny is because you can't even get a good picture of it. So on this is his house, but over here they built a house for all of the security detail. And there are fences and walls. There's a wall there and all of the above. And it costs over $2 million just to build all of this stuff. But guess what? He has to cooperate. What if the president just walked outside, even though he's a target? What if he goes rogue and he doesn't yield to the protection that's provided for him? Something horrible can happen. You understand? Because he's a target. So look, brothers and sisters, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, and by the way, even if you haven't, the thief has targeted you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But when you accept the power of the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, the promise of salvation and eternity, how many know we have a wall around us? We have protection around us. Anybody believe that today? Hallelujah! But you have to cooperate. Stay behind the wall. You see? Stay behind the wall. We have to stay behind the wall. I need to say one quick thing, and then I'll close. Two quick things. So look, number one, there's the prince and the principles. For us, for us, remember you're a Christian. We will love anyone that is influenced by the prince or the principles. We still love them. We don't have to walk with them. We don't have to agree with them. How many know we can love people we don't agree with? I'm gonna say amen. We can serve them. We can buy them a meal. We can do whatever it takes, okay? When you don't like people who don't agree with you, that's not the Spirit of Christ. That's political, and that's nonsense. You see, we live above the politics of this world. How many know we live above Republican and Democrat? We are Christians. We serve the King who's above all the kings of this world. Come on, somebody say amen, hallelujah. And so just because we don't agree with people, that doesn't mean we don't deeply love them. But, that, but at the same time, we don't adopt the way they live. We cooperate with the protection of God. So in light of that, here's what happens. Sometimes in this life, people will attack you. People will hurt you. Um, it's, a, it's a mystery. I don't understand why. Why is there so much pain on this earth? I don't really understand, but it does happen. But even when it does happen, God can protect our hearts. Let me give you a quick example. 
two Tuesdays ago, someone ran into my office, said, Pastor, Seth got hit by a car. It was a hit and run right in front of the building. Okay, Seth is a young man who came here with his family probably when he was about 12 years old. He's been to Bible college. He's a man of God. He's married. He's on staff. He is the cream of the crop. So godly. Got hit by a car. Threw him in the air. When I saw him, I, when I ran out, then he was laying on the ground. Our first responders were already there. Thank God for our first responders. But anyway, he had jeans on, but there was like, I could see a bloodline on his knee. And when I looked at the bloodline, I was like, that looks really bad. They got him. Ambulance came. They took him to the hospital. The gash was so deep, it went down to his bone. He had to be stitched on the inside and on the outside. In addition to that, he had a fractured hip. And I mean, I, we were just, it couldn't happen to a nicer, kinder soul. You know what I mean? But anyway, three days go by or four days go by and Seth sends out a text to the staff. I want to read it to you. He said, hi, everyone. Please pray for the person who hit me. I read Proverbs 19 on October 19th. I read Proverbs 19 in the morning and verse 11 said, good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. He said, I'm not angry at this person, but instead feel for how this incident is going to affect their life. Somebody got in a car and followed the guy and got pictures and all of the above. He said, I am still struggling to walk, but I will be okay. This person is only 19 years old and will face some pretty big consequences to their actions. See, there's, there's a grace available to us. A grace that keeps us forgiving. A grace that keeps us kind and loving. A grace that keeps us hoping. A grace that keeps us rejoicing. Knowing one day we're going to see Jesus face to face. Hallelujah. How many know when we get to heaven, it will all be reconciled. It will all be made right. It will be all be joy unspeakable and full of glory. And when bad things happen to us, difficult things, just know God is going to use it. He doesn't waste the same way he didn't waste the suffering of his son, Jesus he also won't waste the suffering of one of his sons or daughters.